0: Good morning, church. Good morning, and what a great morning of worship. And we are at the beginning of a brand new series. We started last week called A New Year, New You. And so we're talking about what that means in 2015. You know, so many times people make New Year's resolutions, right? And make a resolution about dieting or working out. I'm going to get in shape. This is going to be the year, right? I'm into it. I'm going to do it. And yet what the Bible says is this. The Bible says that for physical training is of some value. It's important to work out. It's important to stay in good shape, and we need that. But godliness has value in all things, holding promise for this present life and for the life to come, right? And And so in order to work out, I mean, you want to do that, you want to stay in shape, but you want to, and I want to, as followers of Jesus, to grow in our godliness, Because this impacts not only the present life, right, when our relationship with God is right, it impacts our family, our children, our our neighbors, our relationships with our roommates, everybody else, but it also impacts the life to come. That this body, I don't care how good of shape you're in, you can be rock solid, you can be jacked, but at some point your body's going to wear out. At some point it's going to fade away, but your soul or your spirit goes on forever. And so the Bible would say, as you make New Year's resolutions, as you think about the new year, what are you doing to grow in godliness? How are you going to grow spiritually? How are you going to become the man or the woman that God created you to be? Because the goal for your life, the goal for my life, is that we are conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, in this series, we're looking at how Jesus took, you know, 12 guys, right? And he took these 12 disciples, and he went through this whole CrossFit class, right? Getting them ready uh, for three years, training them, pouring into them, and preparing them. Because Jesus knew, I'm going to die on the cross for everybody's sins, and I'll ascend into heaven. And, and right after that, you know what? The disciples are going to be the ones to take the gospel of the generations. They're going to be the ones. And so I'm going to pour into them for three years. I will conquer death. Yes, I have the power. But I'm going to place the Holy Spirit. And so I want these disciples to be prepared. And God wants you to be prepared. God's doing great things in you, and God wants to do great things through you. But God's saying, I want you to grow in your godliness so that you're ready that you're ready, that you're strong, that you can be the leader that God has called and created you to be. Now, whenever you go to a personal trainer or you go to get work out and get in shape, they concentrate on five areas, right? They concentrate on cardio, on your core, on your upper body, your lower body, and then they put it all together and you have this fitness training. And so spiritually, we're looking at these five things. We're looking at faith. How do we grow in our faith? How do we trust God more in 2015? How do we follow him, right, in that journey? We're talking today about prayer. How do we grow in our prayer life? And I'm so glad you're here today because I believe this is such an important foundational one for us. Next week we'll talk about serve, and then we'll talk about worship, and then we'll put it all together and living on mission and what that, what that means. Last week we looked at faith, and we said faith is like a muscle, right? The more you work it out, the stronger it gets. But if you stop working out, if you stop growing your faith, then you start to lose that. You, you forget about trusting God. But God calls us to live like this with palms up. God, I trust you. I want to follow you. To get out of the boat. If you're going to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. you got to follow. you got to trust. And God is speaking to each of us. He always is. He's inviting us to, to be a part of what he's doing. But it takes faith. And today we're going to talk about that was workout one. Today, workout two, prayer. What does it mean to grow in our prayer life? And I think, uh, if, let's be honest, it's a struggle for many of us in prayer, right? We want to be great at prayer. We want to be prayer warriors, but but it struggles sometimes. And so, what does that mean? And how can we grow in our prayer life? If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Uh, Maybe you have a mobile device with you. You can access the scriptures online at Uversion if you want to track along with us or if you have an iPad with you or something. Uh, Also, we'll put the words on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. And we're going to see how Jesus trained His disciples, how He trains us today, and we talk about this in prayer. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. In a certain place. Notice that. When... It was time, right? He was praying in this place. And the disciples, when he finished praying, his disciples were there. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I always get caught up in this because I think in this moment, you know, if you picture Jesus praying, we don't know if it was a rock or a tree or where he was praying, but the disciples come walking up and they're seeing Jesus pray. And I think there must have been so much power in the way that Jesus prayed. I think it was so different than anything they had seen before, right? They were used to the religious leaders who would go and have these you know, flamboyant prayers and these pious prayers, and, and yet they saw Jesus, and they watched him in this intimacy that he had, and, and they said, Lord, we want that. We, we want something authentic, right? We, we want to be a part of that. Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray, So Jesus says, okay, right, I'll do that. And he said to them, when you pray, now notice that he didn't say if you pray, right? He said, when you pray, when you pray, pray this, right? Say, Father, Father. Now, if you go in the book of Matthew, it says our Father, right? Because we're called to be a part of a community. We're called to be a part of a church. We're called to be a part of the body of Christ. We need each other. But this word father is so powerful. The word is translated Abba. It means daddy. Call God daddy when you pray. Wow. And maybe some of you struggle with that word father. You know, maybe growing up you didn't have a great father. And so whenever you think about God as father, it, just, it conjures up bad memories. And yet what I would say to you is this. Think about what a perfect father would be. Think about if you, if you had a perfect father, as you always wanted, what, what would that be like? Think about that. Father, Father, hallowed be your name. And what Jesus is saying, you know, is you come and you recognize the sovereignty of God. You recognize, hey, hallowed be your name. You are God and I'm not. Right? Let's, let's get perspective here right now as I'm praying. You are God. You are the sovereign God of all creation. You hold the world in your hands. You hold my life in your hands. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Right? God, help me to be a part of your agenda. Help me to move my life onto what you're doing in the world. Help me to join you, Father. It's not just about my selfishness. It's not just about me, God. Help me to be a part of what you're doing. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. God, you are my provision, you are the sustainer of life. You know, so often we think it's about us, right? I worked hard, I made this money, I did this, I did that. I, 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 until we realize, wait a minute, uh, when did I even get the opportunity to do this? <laughs> why was I born in America? I mean, why did I get the opportunity to go to the schools I went to or have the education I went to? And why do I have anything that I really have? I mean, when you get down to it, bottom line is everything comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him and God, I recognize that provision. Forgive us our sins. Jesus said there's a time of confession. Confession. Confession means that we move in. It's not like, hey, God, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of blew it the other day. I sinned, and God's going, really? Thanks for telling me. I didn't really know that, you know? No, he's like, I'm God. I know that. But what you're doing is you're confessing, and you're saying, God, I understand. I know you know this, but God, I understand that this wasn't part of your plan for my life. I understand that this wasn't what you wanted me to do as a husband or as a father. Or as a wife, as a mother, as a roommate God I know that And I just want to bring my life in line with you And then notice this part This is so powerful Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us Jesus said when you pray Recognize that you've been forgiven But you've been forgiven So that you can also forgive You see you've been given grace So that you can offer grace as well And maybe you're here today and if you're just gut level honest, man, there's somebody that you just are having a hard time forgiving. And maybe it happened in the past, but I got to tell you, they still have control of you. You can't go to bed at night without thinking about them. I mean, every time we even talk about that, it just comes into your head. And maybe today is a day where you just have to bring that to the Lord and say, Father, I can't, but God, you can. And so Lord, uh, forgive me, but God, I also forgive those You've sinned against me. And lead us not into temptation. And God, I recognize that all the provision I have comes from you. I recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from you. But God, I also recognize that you are my protection. And as I go forward, Father, as I walk forward, Lord Jesus, protect me. Protect my family. Protect those around me. God, lead us where you want us to go, Father. We trust you. Now, most of us recognize this as the Lord's prayer or the model prayer and that Jesus gave us to pray. Now, you don't have to pray these words every time you pray, but Jesus is giving us a model. He's saying, here's how you pray. Here's what you do. But I want you to notice a lot of times we stop right there when we talk about prayer. But Jesus keeps going as he's teaching his disciples. And he keeps going. He says, hey, wait, let me, let me tell you a bit more about prayer. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, back in this day, hospitality was a big deal, right? It's still a big deal today in the Middle East. I mean, you know, hospitality is huge. But especially back then, because you can imagine, people traveled and they, when they would travel, there wasn't a lot of you know, Motel 6 you can stop by or Holiday Inn Express. And so you would know somebody in this town and you could go and stay with them and then you can go and stay with somebody else in another town. So if somebody, they came to your house and they knocked on the door, you were expected. I mean, it was, it was big. You were expected to feed them, to water their animals, you know, to give them whatever they needed. It was hospitality, it's what you did. And so Jesus says, you know, think about it. Somebody comes to your house, they knock on your door, it's midnight, and you're like, oh no, I'm out of food. You know, I don't have anything. So you run over to your neighbor's house and you say to them, hey, help me out, I need something. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Your neighbor's like, it's midnight, man. You should have thought about this. You know, you're like, I didn't know, they just showed up, right? But then Jesus says, I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Jesus goes, Think about this, think about this, you guys. If you're a parent, right, and your child comes and they want to fish, you're not going to go, hey, here's a snake. You know, you're you're not going to do that, right? He says, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Man, just let those words sink in this morning. Just let those words sink in. How much more? that you have a God who loves you and a God who believes in you, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, exclamation point? Wow. See, what Jesus is saying is this. His prayer is rooted in the goodness and the grace of a sovereign God who invites you and I to call him Father. Father. That he is for you that he believes in you, that he wants the best for you. And he invites you to pray. So what is prayer? I mean, what what is prayer? I mean, bottom line, you boil it down. What is it? Well, there was a doctoral student at Princeton University, and he went to Albert Einstein, the great Albert Einstein. He said, Albert Einstein, listen, I need your help. What is left in the world for original dissertation research? I mean, what is left out there for me to study? And Albert Einstein said this, Find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Right? Why? Because prayer is communication with God. Prayer allows us into the presence of the God of the universe. The God of the universe. Gerald May, who was a psychiatrist, and and for 20 years, he spent time counseling people, individuals and couples and all these people. And for 20 years, he would sit there and he would listen to people all day long, all day long and all. After 20 years, you know what he said? He said, I've determined this, that inside every human being, religious or not, there's a deep desire to connect with God. Right? Because why? Because that's the way we were made. We were made in the image of God. You and I are not complete until we are in God. We long for Him and we need Him. Tim Keller said prayer is simply the recognition of the greatness of God. Prayer is the recognition of the greatness of God, it's perspective in our life. He is God. Somebody asked Mother Teresa one time, you know, how are you so successful? I mean, how in the world have you made such a huge difference in the poorest of the poor in the world? And she said, it's simple. I pray. <laughs> I pray. I, I hear God. I know what he wants me to do. I, I just do what he wants me to do. I live it. Prayer is two-way communication. Prayer is speaking to God, and prayer is listening to God. And when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will be find. You know, he says, come on. You go to God. You go to him. But prayer is also listening. It's hearing from God. It's knowing what he wants us to do. It's knowing how he wants us to live. It's that relationship with God. How many of you had a best friend when you were in elementary school? Anybody have a best friend in elementary school? Remember that? Okay. Are they still your best friend today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. I had a best friend in elementary school, a kid named John Stevenson. Great guy. We had so much fun. We'd, you know, do sleepover thing. It was a blast. We had a great time We'd stay up and laugh and all those things. But then we went to a different middle school. And then we went to a different high school, and then we went to a different college. We kind of lost touch. Now, you know, I love social media, and we can kind of know what's going on out there. But, but John's not my best friend anymore, right? Why? Because we used to hang out all the time, and we used to talk all the time, and we had this relationship because there was this communication. You know, my best friend now is my wife, Lisa. I mean, she's my best friend. And we, we talk, and we share, and we talk about the good things. We talk about the joys. We talk about the struggles. That's what God's inviting you into. God's inviting you into a relationship with him. And so many times our prayer life is this, God, help, help. And God's like, I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'm okay with that. Come over in the middle of the night. Bang on the door. It's okay. But also, 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 I want to have a relationship with you. And so there's times where you sit and there's times when you listen. Prayer is not just about talking. Prayer is listening. And prayer is not about having, oh, i got to have all the right words to say. It has to be a beautiful, eloquent prayer. You know what? Prayer is just this invitation to be authentic with God To be real, to be vulnerable God, you already know what's going on God, I, I, I need you And God, here I am Look at me, search me, oh God So prayer is communication with God But what does prayer do? I mean, if we know what prayer is It's communication with God What does prayer do? Prayer does two things, I think Prayer, prayer changes things It does, right? And we know that But prayer also changes us. Prayer changes us. There's this great uh, commencement speech that was given by a guy named David Wallace. And uh, it was in 2005, and he gave this speech uh, to Kenyon College. And here's what he said. He told this story, and he was trying to help them understand the, the power that they had of prayer and what it means that they're not going out there into this big world alone. And so he gave this story, and he said there was these two guys that were sitting together in a bar in a remote Alaskan wilderness, And one of the guys is religious and the other guy's an atheist. And the two are arguing about the existence of God with that special intensity that comes, right? when you're in this kind of argument. And the atheist says, look, man, it's not like I don't actually have reasons for not believing in God. It's not like I haven't ever experimented with God or with the whole prayer thing. In fact, just last month, I got caught away from the camp in that terrible blizzard and I was totally lost I couldn't see a thing, and it was 50 below. So I tried it. I tried it. I fell to my knees in the snow, and I cried out, Oh, God, if there is a God, I'm lost in this blizzard, and I'm going to die if you don't help me. And now in the bar, the religious guy looks at the atheist, and he's all puzzled. He's like, Well, then you must believe now, he says. I mean, after all, you're here. You're alive, right? And the atheist just rolls his eyes and says, no, man, all that was was a couple of Eskimos that happened to come wandering by and show me the way back to camp. And David Wallace was like, guys, God is moving. God is answering prayer all the time. I mean, think about it in your life, right? How many times have you prayed and God came through? Remember in high school and you didn't study for that test and you prayed, God, help me. If you get me through this test, I'll eat all my vegetables. I promise I'll do, you know. I mean, we pray all these kind of prayers all the time. God, bail me out. I'm in this terrible financial crisis. God, how am I going to make it through? And in the past or when you were in college, God, help me not get caught. Please, God, spare me. God, in this relationship, Father, please, God, help. God, And yet we go on with life so often and we don't realize, wait a minute, God has been at work in my life all the time. It's not an accident that I'm here today. It's not an accident that I'm where I am today. God has been moving. God has been working. God has answered my prayers. And maybe I'm not where I'm going to be. None of us are. But I am here today because of the grace of a God who says I'm not giving up on you. And when I've called out to him, he's answered. Man, there is power in prayer, church. There's power in prayer. I've seen God do miracles. I mean, literally, I've seen God heal people. I mean, people who should be dead, and they're walking, and it's crazy. And they're like, wow, what happened? You know, I mean, there is power in prayer. Prayer is that spiritual dynamite that says, you know what, we're not just in this life alone trying to figure it out and trying to do it ourselves, that there is a God who will intervene. And there's a power there that so often we step back from and we don't engage. F.B. Meyer said the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Unoffered prayer because there is power. There's power. Over in Mark chapter 9, uh, there was a time that happened to the disciples You know as we are watching this unfold right Jesus is training these disciples He's preparing them just like he's preparing us And in Mark chapter 9 this, this dad brings this child This son to the disciples And he asked the disciples Jesus' disciples to heal this boy He had an evil spirit in him And the disciples try, but they can't and, and so the man goes to Jesus And the man says to Jesus Jesus I brought this boy I brought my son to your disciples But he couldn't heal him Now, Jesus, if you can, will you heal him? And I love that. Jesus says, if I can, right? If I can, he says, all things are possible to those who believe. And the man says, whoa, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. He said, in fact, I do believe, but help my unbelief. You ever been there, right? Just just help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. And God heals him. I mean, Jesus heals him right there. heals this, this boy, well, later on, the disciples, they come up to Jesus, and they go, why, why couldn't we heal him? Well, what happened, Jesus? And Jesus said this interesting thing. He said, this spirit only comes out by prayer. And some of the earlier manuscripts, it says by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. Are, are there strongholds in your life that, boy, you've been doing everything you can to fix it? And what you realize today is maybe I can't fix it on my own. This is something that only God can do. Maybe you've been trying everything you can. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something in your family. But there's a stronghold there. And man, you you can't sleep at night because it's keeping you up. But have you taken it to the Lord and just said, Lord, I'm praying about this? Lord, I need your help. God, I can't. But you can. (laughs) But you can. And I trust. And I'm giving it to you. There's power in prayer. Prayer changes things. Oh, yes, prayer changes things. I've seen it so many times, and you have too. But even more so, I think, is prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. Harold Koenig, who's the uh, director of spiritual health at Duke University, he wrote a book called The Healing Power of Faith, and he, he talked about it in his, all of his research and all of his study how religious people have longer, healthier, happier lives, how religious people have stronger marriages and family, how religious people cope better with stress in life. And he brings all this back to, you know, how religious people, he says, you know, a lot of people can say it's because they don't use as many illicit drugs, they don't have many, as much promiscuous sex, or all these other outside factors. But he said what it really boils down to is this, Prayer. <laughs> There's something about prayer that when people pray, it moves the burden from them and from their hearts and from their minds, and it moves that onto God. And there's a a peace that comes. It's biblical. The peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in your Christ Jesus And so often we hold on to those burdens So often we hold on to those things And that there's just God who says Hey, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you spent? Bring it to me Bring it to me And I'll give you rest I'll give you rest See, prayer changes things But even more uh, Prayer changes us Changes us it makes us more into the men and women God wants us to be, more into the husbands or the fathers, the wives, the mothers, the roommates, the friends, the sons, the daughters. So if prayer is so powerful, which it is, right? Prayer is life-changing for us and for circumstances, then why don't we spend more time praying? What hinders our prayers? What does? Two things, I think. Number one is this, busyness, right? Right, we, we get so busy that we don't have time to pray. You know, we're like, oh, I got so much to do today. I got to get up. I got to get going. I'm going to get up earlier, and I'm going to tackle it, and I'm going to go after it because I don't have time to pray. I mean, who has time to pray? I mean, there's stuff to do, right? I got to get it done. Martin Luther used to spend two or three hours of prayer. People would ask him, why do you spend two or three hours of prayer? He says, well, it's just what you do. I mean, it's like, you know, as a shoemaker makes a shoe or as a tailor makes a coat. It's what a Christian does. I mean, you, you pray. I'm not saying you have to spend two or three hours in prayer or anything like that, but what I am saying is when we start our day, instead of just tackling the issues or the problems that we think we're going to go and fix, maybe it is, wait a minute, God, I want to come before you because you're actually the one who can fix these things. God, you're actually the one who can control these things. Busyness, right? As we said last week, it's not that, hey, God, I need more time. I need more time. We always say that. I need more time. It's not more time. It's priorities for us, Right? What is important? What am I going to prioritize in 2015? What's going to be the priority for me? The second thing I think that struggles with us in prayers, hinders our prayers, is this. Distractions. Distractions. I, I'm like this, I don't know if anybody else is, but you, sometimes you sit down to pray and you start to pray and then you go, oh, look, bright, shiny object, right? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, you just get distracted because you start thinking about, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And, and so then you pull out your phone and you get on the notes page and then you're writing down all the notes and the things you're doing and you were down to pray. I was going to pray about that, but now I got to figure it out. And you get distracted. Anybody else there is that just me, right? I mean, that happens sometimes, right? There's distractions that come in. Now, now, why do we struggle with this busyness and distractions? Here's the deal. We have an enemy, Satan, who doesn't want us to pray, right? We have a Satan enemy that wants to do everything he can to keep us from praying. You know why? Because it says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. And so he says, hey, if I can cut off their communication, then I'm gonna win, right? If they're not praying for their marriage, if they're not praying for their children, if they're not praying for the people around them, Then I'm going to win this in any great military battle. What's the first thing an army does? They go after the communication of their enemy. Because if they cut off the communication, they know they've got the upper hand. They can't communicate. Satan comes after us. Because I know this for a fact. I believe with all my heart. God answers every prayer we pray. God answers every prayer we pray. Now he answers in one of three ways, right? Number one, he answers yes. And we love that. Woo-hoo, thank you, God. You know, yes. Number two, sometimes, though, he answers no. He answers no. Why does he answer no? Because he knows what's best for us. <laughs> because he loves us. If you're a parent here today, and your kids, they, they get together, and they have a little kid meeting, you know, and then they come to you, and they go, Mom, Dad, listen, we've been talking about it. And here's the deal. We want chocolate for every meal, Right? We've had a little team meeting. We've got it figured out. We love chocolate. We think it's awesome. So for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, uh, we don't know how you're gonna do it. You work it out, but you figure it out. But we want chocolate for every meal. What parent here is gonna go, great idea. Yeah, that's awesome, way to go. Yeah, I'm glad y'all talked about that and figured that out. No, every parent here is gonna go, no way. I'm not giving you chocolate for every meal. It's not going to happen. Sometimes you have to eat your vegetables. Sometimes, you know, I care about you. I love you. I I want what's best for you. Now, sometimes, number three, is this God answers, not yet. Not yet. I I know you're praying about this relationship. I I know you're praying about this job. I I know you're praying about this. Not yet. It's coming. It's coming. Listen, it's coming. But not yet. Because I'm still preparing you for what I'm preparing for you. I'm still preparing you for what I'm preparing for you. So you hang in there and you hold on. It's coming. And Satan knows, hey, if I can get them distracted, then maybe they won't pray. So let me give you this morning, let me give you five very practical ways just to grow our prayer life in 2015. Five very practical ways if we're going to grow our prayer life. Number one is it says that Jesus went to a certain place to pray, right? Find a certain place. What is your place? I mean, Jesus, you know, probably had a rock right there, looked over the Sea of Galilee. It was beautiful. I don't know where your place is. Maybe it's by your bed. Uh, Maybe it's in your office. Maybe it's at Radnor Lake. I don't know. But find a certain place where you just go, this is where I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with God, right? This is going to be my place. Second thing is this. Find a specific time of day that works for you. Now, now some of you, you're, you're just not morning people, okay? It's all right. But you try to pray in the morning and you're just tired and you're like, oh, I can't do it. Don't beat yourself up over that. Pray at night. But some of you, you know, you try to pray at night and then you're like, dear God, I need... I, yeah. And you wake up eight hours later, right? Amen. You know, it's like, don't make your prayer time at night, right? That's not working for you. But figure out what works for you. Figure out the way you're wired. And so find a certain place and find a specific time. Number three is look. Look at the model prayer and kind of follow this outline. Follow this outline. Uh, You can look at a great acronym called ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So when I pray... I spend the first time adoring God, adoration, hallowed be your name, Father. I get some perspective there. I start to see the world from God's perspective, how he wants for me. And then confession, God, I confess to you, right? I wanna confess what's going on in my life. And then Thanksgiving, I wanna be thankful. And then I come with the ask, right? You do all this at that part and then Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. So then God, here's my request. Here's the things I'm presenting. God, here's my needs. Here's number four, it's this, a prayer journal, a prayer journal. Uh, Sometimes if you get distracted when you pray, it helps me to write it down. So if you have a notebook or you have an iPad or something, just write a letter to God. Dear God, here's, here's my prayer for today, and just write it out. And the great part about that is, and I have these prayer journals from back long ago, sometimes I'll go back and I'll look through them and I'll go, oh, I forgot about that. God, you totally came through. God, thank you, you know? It just grows your faith. And then number five is this, fasting. Fasting. Now, sometimes when there's those big strongholds in your life and those big things and maybe your family or in your neighborhood or your career or direction or whatever, fasting. Fasting means that you like, you know, I'm not going to eat from sunup to sundown. Or, and every time I get hungry, every time I get hungry, I'm going to be reminded to pray. I'm going to pray. Or maybe I'm going to fast from Facebook. Right? Or maybe I'm gonna fast from Pinterest and I'm gonna, you know, not the whole weekend. I know that's a big deal. Okay. So yeah, you know, the whole weekend, I'm not even gonna look at it because every time I have that urge, I'm going to pray. But somehow that I'm gonna do prayer and fasting so that I can grow. Now the goal of these five steps, the goal of these things is to help us learn to pray without ceasing. It says in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen through eighteen, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you said, hey, what's God's will for my life? He would say, be joyful always, right? Be joyful always. A, A curmudgeon Christian is an oxymoron to me because we have grace, we have life. Be joyful always. Pray continually that you develop this ongoing relationship with God. And then give thanks in all circumstances. God, thank you that you're present. God, thank you that you're at work that you and I develop this ongoing relationship. So we're driving to work and we see somebody walking down the side of the road and we go, God, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I pray for them right now. God, I'm getting ready to walk into this meeting and I have no idea what this meeting holds, but God, I pray you prepare my heart and I pray that you prepare the pl- people in this place. God, I'm pulling in the driveway right now and God, I pray for my family, I pray for my kids, I pray, God, that I will be ready for whatever happens when I come to that door, God. I pray that my heart will be ready. How often, how often do you pray with your spouse? How often do you pray with your children? You know, one of my most vivid memories was when I was growing up, and I don't remember if I was three or four or whatever, but I walked into my parents' room, and I saw my dad, I saw my dad, and he was kneeling by the bed, and he was praying, and I didn't really know what he was doing, you know, and I said, Dad, what are you doing? And he just looked up, and he said, I'm praying for you. I've never forgotten that, you know? All these years, I'm praying for you. Your kids see you praying. Do they hear you pray? Your roommates, your spouse. Because there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. See, what'll happen, guys, I want you to get this, is prayer becomes our spiritual breathing. It's our spiritual breathing, right? You're breathing in the things of God. You're breathing deeply in the presence of God. You're breathing out the worry, the fear, the anxiety right? Breathe in deeply and breathe in. Maybe you remember like the first time you went to the gym and you, you got on one of these things and there was this bike or it was a treadmill. And the first time you did it, like in five minutes, you're like, uh, 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 you know, help, right? And then you, you go, okay, I don't know. That was really hard. That was really tough. And then you come back. And the next time you go about 10 minutes, you're like, that, that wasn't bad. The next time you come back and you go about 30 minutes, you're like, wow. And the next time you're sitting there talking to your friends going, hey, maybe I'll run that half marathon thing, you know, that country music deal. Maybe, maybe I'll do the full one, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. But prayer is so foundational for you and I and our spiritual growth and our spiritual walk. As we breathe deeply the things of God and we breathe out the worry, the fear, the anxiety that Satan uses to hold us back from being all that God desires. God is for you. God loves you. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today, maybe today, if you'll be honest, maybe there's a stronghold in your life and you, you just need prayer over it. The Bible tells us this in 2 Chronicles If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven and I will answer. This morning, would you just, if you. Would you just raise your hand if there's something that I can pray with you or we as a church can pray with you? If there's a stronghold that you look in 2015 and you just say, you know what? I need prayer. Thanks, thank you. I need prayer about this. I need prayer, thank you, about this relationship. I need prayer about thank you. Yeah, I need prayer. Okay. Let's just do that right now. Thank you. Let's just pray right now. As you look in you personally into 2015, would you say, God... I need you to come through. I can't do this one on my own. And maybe it's the reconciliation of a child. Maybe it's the salvation of a child. Maybe it's the reconciliation of a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a choice that you're facing. I don't know what it is. But right now, let's just pray together. Father God, we know that prayer changes things and prayer changes us. And we know the power of prayer, Father. Father. And so, Lord, I pray right now over all of these, God. Father, there are all kinds of prayers going up to you right now. And it doesn't confuse you in the slightest. God, you hear every one of our prayers. You hear every cry of our heart. I pray for every hand that was lifted this morning. And I pray, God, that you will meet each person in their deepest need. I pray, God, that you will come through like only you can. And I pray, God, that you will open our eyes to what you're doing. God, we need you. We thank you for the gift of prayer, for communication with you. We thank you for the gift of your presence in our life. We thank you for the hope and the peace and the joy that you long to bring in us. And so, Father, this morning, God, we place our burdens, our worries, our fears, and we place them in your hands. Take them from us, oh, God. Even the times we try to solve them ourselves, God, take them from us. And God, we give them to you in prayer. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I pray that this year would be a year of prayer for you. It would be a year that we learn and we grow in our prayer life like never before. Because God is growing us. And God's doing something great in you and through you.